0: Thanks so much for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. In this week's episode, we're not talking about auctions. We're not talking about galleries. We're going to the streets as we chat with Ben Stein, author of the new book, Museum of Street Art, East Village. Ben's been studying street art in New York for about the past 18 months, and his new book captures a snapshot of the street art in the East Village. All the photos in the book were actually taken by Ben in a single day. And by calling it Museum of Street Art, Conceptually, the book serves as an exhibition catalog of the art at that time on that day in the East Village. So we talk about the book with Ben, we talk about the history of street art, and in particular in the East Village, and we also identify some of the bigger artists who have made street art in the East Village, as well as some of the lesser known names, but are worthy of your attention. So we hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much. So we have Ben Stein here in studio to talk about his new book, Museum of Street Art, East Village. We don't often have guests in studio in the Art Tactic Podcast Studio, so Ben, thanks so much for joining us and coming in. Thanks for having me. So, I've ha- I've had a chance to see your new book, The Museum of Street Art East Village. It's a really great book. Before we jump into the book and its content, and you know what motivated you to make it, you know I think we all see graffiti and street art as we're walking through our respective cities, wherever we are. Um, you have a really good perspective on the history of. Uh, graffiti and street art, and um, how and when it started, and how it came to what it is today. So it'd be great first to give us a little insight into that history. Yeah,
1: thanks. Um, I, I've been studying uh, street art and graffiti for the last year and a half while uh, making the book, and so you know over that uh, period of time, I've you know learned a lot about it. So um, really, street art was born out of graffiti, um, and then you can trace back graffiti you know, all the way to the oldest figurative paintings that were found, you know, 40,000 years ago in in Spain uh, at El Castillo and, um, you know, Burgundy, France. Um, you know, they had the the, the red disc and the, the hand stencils and the rhinoceros paintings. Um, and then, you know, along the way, you've got the invention of lithography. Um, you've got the spray can that was invented in 1949. Um, and then in 1965 is when you... In Philadelphia is when you really see like the first documented graffiti with this guy uh, by the name of Daryl McRae and his his tag his handle was cornbread um, and so uh, graffiti kind of migrated its way from Philadelphia up to New York City um, and you had these young graffiti writers that would uh, gather at the writers bench um, all the way uptown on 149th Street um, and so then you had writers like Taki 183 that were interviewed by the New York Times, and that's kind of when um, graffiti really, uh, you know, put its put its mark um, in the public eye. Um, and th- then you also start to see the studio artists copying the graffiti style um, with their figurative art, like Basquiat, Herring, Hamilton. Um, And then after that, you you kind of I like to point to Shepard Fairey who did his "Obey Giant" campaign, um, which made people question their surroundings, and it was this uh, repetitive sticker "Obey" or "Obey Giant," and I think this opened the door for a lot of other types of modern street art. Um, And then you know you also have murals that have been part of communities for decades, um, and it's become more accepted, and people realize the value of public art, and now you see. Uh, you know the rise of street art and landlords paying artists to put um, you know their art uh, put the artist art on their buildings, um, and it actually creates a lot of value for the landlord and the neighborhood, and and creates a certain kind of vibe uh, that street art kind of uh, supports.
0: That's interesting. I did not know a lot of that history. You know, for myself, and I'm sure many others. I think we just think about you know, Basquiat and Herring and just kind of go from there on to present day. But we don't really think about those earlier years. So that's pretty interesting to learn about that. So let's get dive in a little bit into your book, Museum of Street Art East Village. Um, tell us a little bit about why you made the book. What what inspired you to uh, to create this book? Um, well, I was, I was mostly looking for a project and creative outlet,
1: um, I work in tech, but you know I, I like to think I have a little bit of a creative streak. and so there's a bookstore uh, right by my office uh, called Printed Matter, which is really a, a very it's a prolific uh, store for artist books. Um, and so I'd been meaning to check it out and um, I walked in and by the time I left I was so inspired by all the the work uh, in the store, um, I decided to to make my own book. Um, and at the same time, a retrospective about Richard Richard Hamilton was was out. It's called Shadow Man, and so like the combination of these two things happening at the same time um, really pushed me over the edge and say, hey, you know, I I really like artist books. I really like street art. I live in the East Village. This is a neighborhood covered in street art, and, and I had this idea. Um, and then you know, while making the book, I interviewed people in the scene. Um, Hank O'Neill had photographed a lot of Richard Hamilton's work in the 80s. Um, So I talked to him about photography. I spoke to Alan Schwartzman, um, who's a founder of Art Agency Partners. Um, He wrote uh, the book Street Art in, I think, 1985 or 1986, so I talked to him about his book and street art. Uh, And also Clayton Patterson, who's a Lower East Side um, historian. So um, a lot of these people inspired me
0: along the way. Um, and and that's how it kind of started. Well, we should talk first what exactly is in the book, Um, so tell us about that, and then also, you know, the way in which you photographed uh, the street art in the East Village, I think, is really unique uh, and, you know, is an interesting way for people to experience all the street art that's in the East Village.
1: Yeah, and and so it it really is just that. I I systematically photographed and cataloged um, all of the street art that, you know, I found to be notable and, there, and there's quite a lot of it. And you did it all in a single day? I did it all in a single day. It was a 14-hour straight photo shoot. Um, I did it on my bike. I, I planned out the map and the route and I did test runs before and figured out how to use my camera and the best way to shoot the photos, and um, I, I found the best way was in black and white. Um, it kind of gave it this kind of archival look, but it also um, took out a lot of the orange streetlight that kind of interfered um, with, with a lot of the, the color of the photography, although it is in black and white. Um, it, it was just easier to manage in black and white. Um, so, um, you know, also the, the concept of the book evolved over time. It was originally called Day of Street Art, uh, you know, quote unquote, an entire neighborhood shot on the day of. Um, and, and so I thought capturing a snapshot was important to the ephemerality and preservation of street art, um, although a lot of people believe street art shouldn't be preserved. Um, But just calling a day of didn't quite capture everything I wanted to say. So, you know, going a step further, you know, I looked at neighborhoods like the East Village and Lower East Side, and I started asking, why are these neighborhoods covered in art whereas, like, Greenwich Village is not? And so what is causing this, to exist, um, and then you also see these neighborhoods have the same density of art displayed as a traditional museum, um, except people don't really think of it that way. So, um, you know, calling it Museum of Street Art, I, I felt was the most important message. Shooting it all at once was a tactic to be precise and thorough, um, which I felt gave the concept more texture and meaning.
0: So when yeah so when did you when did you start shooting during the day? What time was it, and when did you end? Right. So I, I started at twelve a.m. midnight and I ended at uh,
1: two forty five p.m. the next uh, well, that day um, and I took about a, a two hour nap in between because <laughs> okay. it was it was quite exhausting, um, but um, you know it and I wanted to quit many times but I
0: but I powered through. Nice. Um, yeah. So I guess in the end, how many how many artists uh, are there in the book? Um, how many photos are there in the book?
1: So there's 146 photos, uh, 128 named artists, and 36 unknown or unidentified artists. Um, so I tried to credit um, everyone that I, I possibly could within reason. I did a lot of research uh, on the internet, I called artists, I emailed artists to confirm. Um, uh, but and, and that was also quite challenging. Um, and you know the the last thing I'll say about um, uh, the book at this point is uh, June twenty third happens to be Richard Hamilton's birthday, and that was also kind of part of the original concept. I thought I wanted like to have him write a forward or something like that, or have him be involved in the book in some way because he really was one of the pioneers of uh, street art. Although he was a trained studio artist, he did a lot of work on the street, um, and so he was part of the. Herring, Basquiat, Hamilton, although he never really achieved the same amount of fame. But so that's also kind of a, a cool thing about the book is that June 23rd when I shot the photos uh, in 2017 is also his birthday.
0: Well, you referenced the neighborhoods and how different, uh, you know, why is it that Greenwich Village doesn't have all this, all the street art, East Village does. You know, I think walking around in New York, people notice the street art, but you um, you know, maybe they don't ask themselves these questions, or uh, maybe they do and don't really know the answers, but it seems like each of these neighborhoods, um, whether it's in New York City or anywhere, any city in the world, um, has these distinct personalities, um, and maybe that comes through in the amount of street art and the kind of street art that's there. Um, I guess when it comes to the East Village, um, what's its history of street art, and what would you say its personality is compared to some of the other neighborhoods in Manhattan? Sure, um, so so first I'll
1: I'll just talk a little bit about the history of the East Village, a kind of abbreviated history. It, it's a long one, um, and then I'll kind of talk about the the personality of the the art and the neighborhood. Um, so uh, the East Village, you know, it has a history of diversity, art, activism, um, and also preservation. Uh, you know, it originally began as a Dutch colony, um, attracted all kinds of people seeking a, a better life, mostly from. Uh, Europe. Um, today, the, the neighborhood maintains a Ukrainian and Polish uh, cultural organizations and restaurants, uh, amongst uh, amongst other uh, nationalities. Um, and you know, I'm fast forwarding a lot here, but um, the Puerto Rican community started moving in in the '40s, uh, and they still uh, populate a sizable portion of Alphabet City. They actually um, call uh, that that portion Luisada, Lower East Side. Um, and so they really fought to keep the community um, going and alive. Um, you know, they kind of reinvigorated a lot of these community gardens that you find there today. Um, and this is at a time when the city was in financial ruins in the seventies, landlords were abandoning buildings. There was a lot of crime, um, but the Puerto Rican community really fought to, to keep it alive. Um, in the fifties and sixties uh, is when you had the beats and the hippies kind of, uh, you know, moving in, um, which. I think solidified the East Village um, as an art scene um, really from its immigrant roots uh, of the German guildsmen who were originally uh, you know living in the area there was also a big German community at at one point in the 1800s um, and and then you know circling back in the 80s you know the gallery scene exploded in Soho and the East Village um, and this is when you start to see graffiti writers and street artists start to get noticed um, and you know, they they together, uh, you know, raised each other's profiles. Um, And we'll talk a little bit about that, too. Um, And so today you have a vibrant street art scene, uh, you know, that I depict in the book. So the other part of your question was, you know, what is the personality of the uh, East Village and and the street art? Um, And what you can see is, uh, you know, for example, there's a series of murals called uh, La Lucha Continua um, that were painted around La plaza cultural um, and that's 9th Street and Avenue C um, and they represent uh, a set of political issues that were relevant to the community um, and the world at large at that time and, and so you know a different community uh, certainly would have a different message um, but like I said this was a, a Puerto Rican heavy community that that fought for um, fought for their community uh, and, and their political uh, issues that they were that were important to them. Um, you also have uh, local artists like Chico that painted gates for local businesses uh, and guys like Jim Power, the Mosaic Man, and his Mosaic Trail um, and he has mosaic tile art all over these lampposts in the East Village. So the combination of these things I think really give the East Village um, its personality and kind of local flavor but then you also have a host of Global
0: artists that fly in, do their work, um, and uh, and also add to it. How much art on the streets that we see in New York City, and specifically in the East Village, since that's what you focus on in this book? How much of that art, that street art, has been around for a long time? How much of it is new art?
1: Yeah. So the point I make in the book is that street art is always changing, um, and you know. We're it, it, Shridhar was not meant to be preserved, but we're seeing it being hung and protected because sometimes it's really good, and and people want it to stay around for a long time. Um, specifically in the East Village, there are some wor- some walls that turn over every month. Some walls um, have you know murals that stay up for years, um, and then there's plenty of stuff that just comes and go. It comes and goes you know day by day. Um, so it, it really it really depends. You have long-standing works and rotating pieces, um, and that's not necessarily unique to the East Village. I think you'll you'll find that in in many different quote unquote museums of street art around the world.
0: I, I guess to add to that, you know, you have in the East Village, in particular, you have some really famous artists, um, commercially successful artists who have made street art uh, that are there in the East Village. What are are there any kind of rules that street artists live by in terms of you know, does everything eventually get graffitied over? Um, are there, you know, certain street art works that maybe were made in the 80s and they are made by, you know, like very, very successful artists and so legendary artists. And so as a result, up and coming existing street artists just don't want to touch it, don't want to graffiti over it um, because of the uh, status of the artist.
1: I, I think that's right. There, there are definitely walls that have been standing for... Or paintings on walls that have been standing for over ten years, and and those are kind of untouched. Um, and I think that's kind of the rule. It's like if someone's got a wall, you don't kind of encroach on that wall. Yeah. Um, of course, there are you know kids that get bored and they they tag and bomb over it, and and that just happens. You know, for example, La Two is a legendary graffiti artist. He collaborated with Keith Haring in the eighties, um, and one of his murals got bombed over. So sometimes uh, the, the rules are broken. Um, but you know, talking more about graffiti and not street art, graffiti had um, this kind of organization, and it, and it did have its own rules. Um, so you, know, you had graffiti artists like Taki183. You know, they had their, their name and the street number where they lived, so on 183rd Street. Um, graffiti writers had turf. You didn't go tag on other people's turf. Um, going all city meant that you had tagged all over the city, and and your graffiti was, you know, all over the you know most prominent number five train that went, you know, totally north to south in the city. Um, and so you had uh, also you know nicknames for people, toys, quote unquote toys. They only did tags, but kings led crews and created huge burners or huge mur- murals that you would see on these um, on these subway cars that. Uh, the city spent millions of dollars trying to clean up yeah. to to no avail, um, but this is the graffiti culture is really one that was created by kids all the way uptown, and um, it was really exported globally, and now you see street art and graffiti uh,
0: all over the world. So let's yeah let's talk about some of these artists that are actually in the book, and um, are in the East Village. I imagine some are, you know, big names who have had a lot of success, and all of our listeners will know the names. And there might be others who are lesser known. Um, maybe they're still reputable in the streets, but they just, uh, you know, don't have the same level of commercial success. And then there are some who just aren't known by uh, many people at all. So, I guess tell us some of the, you know, really big names that are featured in your book, as well as some of the lesser-known names that, you know, for anyone listening, maybe we should. Uh, you know, when we when they buy your book, they'll see their work. But also just in the meantime, they should Google them and uh, check out some of their work.
1: For sure. Um, so uh, Shepard Ferry has had a long-standing mural on 11th Street and First Avenue. Um, I, I believe it's a mural of his daughter. That's very nice. Um, you've got Invader, he's a French artist. I think he's had some recent notoriety in the auctions and galleries. Definitely. Um, La two, as I mentioned uh, earlier, Um, he's more of like an an older legend, Um, and then you have Stick, who is also um, he he's been getting some notoriety over the past few years. I really like his work as well, Um, and so you know, I I guess you could and and some of these other artists, which I'll kind of rattle off. You can I guess you can say they're they're lesser known or up and coming, um, but still have really great work and and I think have a lot of potential. Um, You know, some of my favorites you've got. Jerkface, he does a lot of kind of uh, like Charlie Brown type and uh, like Disney type characters. He does some some cool stuff. Uh, you got Piohote, who does a lot of kind of poetry and things off the uh, like old billboards on four ninety five, um, and he has one piece in the book. Um, Fun cast, I like. You've got Bo Stanton, does some really big, colorful, interesting murals. Um, Brandon Signs has got a character, Frank Ape. That has a lot of like really uplifting uh, messages, um, which I which I enjoy. And um, guys like uh, Bradley Theodore, fairly popular, and Paul Richard, who does some kind of like drip paintings on the sidewalk, which is I think really unique. Um, which I, I really enjoyed featuring some of these more unique pieces. Um, and the book in the book, I try to show you know the murals, the stickers. There's metalwork. There's mosaic. Stencils, wheat paste. So, like when I call it a museum, it it really has a breadth of work and medium and form
0: um, that I think is really important for people to recognize. And you know, I think one interesting component of this is the you know some of these big names you mentioned, Shepard Fairey and Vader Stick, who have had gone on and shown in galleries. So they're not just showing on the streets. Um, You know, they've come up at auction. um, They've had commercial success. Does that kind of success, I guess, in the ability to go between the street and the gallery space, um, does that have any impact on how they're perceived um, by other street artists, let's say, um, who you know are exclusively dedicated maybe to just making art in the street?
1: That's hard for me to say what others think about each other, but I, I would think that you know an artist who wants to make a, a living on his art would love to get into the gallery space and and actually earned some money and recognition for their work. Um, but this idea of crossing over from the street uh, into the gallery space, into commercial art, um, is really important to the history of street art. Um, because as I said earlier, you had trained studio artists like Keith Haring and Basquiat who copied the graffiti style um, but were recognized uh, in the studios. And, and But then you also had really talented graffiti artists like Lee and Futura, um, who were also entering the studio space, and you know, between these both sides, there was this um, crossover or exchange um, that that lifted everybody's profile. Um, so I, I think that ju- th- this idea of exchange um, was w- was really seminal for for street art and in its popularity. Um, and this is kind of uh, Alan Schwartzman's idea. He writes about this in his book, um, and I think it's still true today. Um, so they they all helped legitimize each other, um, which uh, I think would be you know welcomed by any artist to to feel legitimate.
0: Are there any na- other neighborhoods that are coming next? Museum of Street Art, insert whatever might be coming next. Where where are you with
1: that? Yeah, that's a good question. Well. Uh, making my first book was hard enough, and, <laughs> and now you know talking to you, trying to get people interested in it. Um, but around this time last year, uh, I did a photo shoot down in Cartagena, um, in a neighborhood in a neighborhood called Getzimani, um, which has incredible street art everywhere and has its own personality and is really dense and really fits this model and idea of um, a truly a museum. Um, you know, it's. The way I define um, a museum of street art, it is a uh, an outdoor area that has um, local stakeholder support. Uh, so these areas can really pop up anywhere, um, and so that's what's so interesting to me. It's like how did this concept get all the way down to Getsamani. Um So uh, th- that's those are the kinds of places that I'd be interested in exploring in the future, and. Um, You know, When I'm ready, maybe we'll have a second book out uh, from Cartagena.
0: That sounds good, and you'd have to come back on and talk to us about it. I'd love to. Well, Ben, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and talking about your brand-new book, Museum of Street Art, East Village. Um, I've had a chance to take a look at it, and it's a really great book. I recommend everyone uh, buy it for their homes, for their uh, book collections. If our listeners want to purchase it, where can they go?
1: They can go to my website at museumofstreetart.org. Uh, You can also find me on Instagram at museumofstreetart.mosa. Perfect. Ben,
0: thanks again. Appreciate it. Thanks so much.